2: Hello and welcome to this special edition, the first but hopefully not the last transfer special of the Summer Window. In this episode we're going to speak to Michael Statham who covers Dutch football and can tell us a bit about our new defensive signing Joel Veltman. We're then going to catch up with John Gibbons from the Anfield Wrap again who's going to tell us what he thinks Adam Lallana can bring to us after his transfer from Liverpool following a six-year spell at Anfield. And third and finally we're going to speak to to Jay Whittle a Wigan fan and young aspiring journalist up in the northwest who's going to tell us about one of the younger prospects we've signed so far Jensen Weir son of David who's joined us and will probably go into our under 23s team he's going to talk about that and he's also going to give his um, Detail analysis of what he think is going on with Wigan Athletic and their problems with the administration and their troubles off the pitch. Sad times indeed for them there. So stay tuned for all of that. Hope you enjoy the pod. We're going to talk to Michael Statham. Is that the right pronunciation of your surname, Michael? It is, thank excellent. you. But
3: very rarely um, pronounced correctly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. That's good. Well, welcome to the show, Michael. Um, you are, to describe you by your Twitter handle, a Dutch football writer, tweeter, interviewer and YouTuber for Football orangi, you say that's pronounced, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Football and we're,
3: we're, we're really quite well known, I guess, amongst Dutch football fans. Um, we do everything in English language and we try and um, put things again in English language for, about the Dutch national team and the, the Dutch league as well, the Derry Divisie.
2: Yeah, Excellent. Well, we'll get onto all matters Dutch in a moment. And um, first of all, just to tell you tell us a little bit about yourself, I can see from your Twitter handle you're based in Exeter, down in the um, mm. southwest of England. But from your accent and also by the football top I can see you wearing, you're not from there originally. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm an Aston Villa gone A season of pain, a bit like yourselves. Um, <laughs> it's been quite the ride, the rollercoaster ride, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but we both survived. We both made it.
2: Yeah. That's all that matters in the end, yeah. And <laughs> um, yeah, if you're not safe till you're safe and you can't relax until then, can you? And, um, no. Well, it went right to the wire for you guys. I guess it was always going to one way or the other, wasn't it? Um, with the way things were, it's, it was going to be a tough shout to suffer and try and get through that first year unscathed. Well, in the uh, end, you it,
3: turned out that, it turned out in the end that that, that last-minute winner at home to you um, was <laughs> it was all so
2: important. <laughs> so thank you for the points. <laughs> Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> you could also argue there's a certain little goal-line technology incident that might have played a part as well later on uh, in the season. We don't like a, to mention that, a, I suppose.
3: Well, opening a can of worms, I, I, I do find that quite hard to take as a Villa fan because we've had a few of those this season where we could appeal in the same vein. We're, that was yeah. the one penalty against Arsenal the last minute. It hit Tyrant Mings on the shoulder. It was given as a handball never a handball, never a penalty. And that was the last seconds of the game. So I guess if that was ever taken to court, we would be taking that to court too. So, yeah. Seems yeah, around exactly. about.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is, isn't it? You can argue to the cows come home about these sort of things. But yeah. ultimately, the only thing that matters for you guys is you've saved and survived, you're safe, and we'll see you again next season mm-hmm. in that matter. Um, the reason I've got you on the show, really, was to, in your um, guise as a Dutch um, football man, so to speak, um, is to get your views on one of our signings, Joel Veltman, who we've got from Ajax. He was a seasoned Ajax man of 19 years. Well, I say man, that's also boy. He was there with them from the age of nine, mm. I think it is. Um, now 28, he's decided to make the move. Um, transfer market values him about 7.2 mil, but we got him for about 900K reportedly due to a release clause. Um, seems like a good bit of business. We're delighted to get someone of this caliber in. Um, I remember he was playing, I think, in the Champions League semi last season for Ajax. and what's a cracking game, actually, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, games, I should say. Um, but in terms of the wider picture of what he's like, I know he's a centre-back, he's right-footed, um, and he can play as a right-back. Can you expand on that, though, and tell us a bit more about him?
0: Yeah,
3: Joel Veltman, he's a Dutch international, um, 22 caps. You know, he's, he's there about thereabouts around the Dutch national team. On to him as an Ajax player. He's got a reputation, and um, this is a bit of a downer for Brighton fans. He plays a lot of games for Ajax in all these big competitions, winning the Dutch League again and again, Um, Champions League experience, Europa League experience. I'm sure I can delve into a few of these these years with Ajax um, a little bit later. But overall, he was known as a man who was really passionate about Ajax, always gave his all, could play centre-back or right-back, Often better in the right-back role, I have to say. Um, With the way he plays, he's not a very tall defender. You won't see him win too many headers uh, against big strikes in the box. But at the same time, yeah, he was known to have a reputation of making mistakes. He even had a nickname. Um, Ajax fans would say that he's called a Veldmanager, which means that he's made a mistake um, in the vein of Joel Veldman. And that could be used for many players in the Netherlands. So he's got a reputation for making mistakes, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean the price that he was he was um, bought for, he should have been bought for ten times the price of that. So I don't I don't know if he's going to be a starter for Brighton. I don't know what um hmm. what what you've got planned for him. A good player, he has his inconsistencies.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see, I guess, won't we? Yeah, we, we've got, uh, as we were saying off there beforehand, an abundance of centre-backs, and we're not quite sure what's going to happen with Ben White. We're all um, expecting he won't go to Leeds because um, we would not want to sell to a direct rival, as perceived. Um, he might go further up the food chain. We've got young players coming through, but we have got a lot of centre-backs. Um, we've got to assume we're going to be looking to get um, somebody more specialist in the left-back role to challenge for that position, which might mean that Dan Byrne is competing more as a centre-back as well. Um, Duffy might move out, but even then, you've got Byrne, you've got Dunk, you've got Webster, who's come in for a fee, and we've got White, hopefully, will stay with us. And then, as you said, Beltman. In terms of um, right-back roles, of course, you may have noticed we've got Lamptey in, who's hit the ground running since Project Restart and really made the position his own. Um, And we've got Montoya still in the squad so it's going to be interesting to see if he gets in and based on what you've said about him looking more comfortable more at home in the right back role that might ironically be more of a challenge because um, it's a it's a singular role in one form or another um compared with centre-backs where there's more than one role available um so yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens slightly worried about the mistake prone element you've mentioned <laughs> i've got to yeah. say but what kind of well, stuff is that is that a matter of concentration or does he just kind of does he bumble his way through moments?
3: Well, I guess for a start, that whole height issue. And he's not small, but he's not he's not big and strong. And he mm. he was criticised at the start of the season that's just gone in the Champions League qualifiers because Ajax were just getting found out time and again. This came after the semi-final appearance as well against Tottenham. Um, they lost Dilitt and Veltman took the he replaced him at centre back. He has experience now, and he's got that intelligence about him. He's always been good on the ball. That's why he suits him to play a right back. Yeah, but he was found that time and again with his positioning. Was one his his lack of lack of, lack of ability with headers, just yeah. a bit scattered. And when he's not concentrated properly, yeah, these mistakes just it, it comes in all areas. Um, yeah. That that's that's what a lot of. Dutch football fans would think of when they think of Veltman. But I think you can be a bit harsh on him sometimes and that you've got to look as well at what he has achieved. He has won multiple league titles with Ajax. He has um, he came back from a long-term injury. So after all of this breakthrough with Ajax, he solidified his position in the team. He went from centre back to being a right back, but then he suffered a long-term injury. And it was actually in um, the campaign where, yeah, so he did really well when Ajax got to the Europa League final, playing as a right back. And he was um, expected to leave sort of that summer. But then they offered him the captain's armband and he stayed, played more regularly. Um, Then he got injured. And then it it was a situation where he wanted to make this move abroad for many years. And it was finally going to come. But then in April, before the summer, he got injured. It meant that he ended up staying even longer, two more years as it happened. So that's why the least causes in his contract, because he always did just want to leave. But he kept signing extensions. Right. The reason when he got, he got into the Champions League team that did so well um, in 2019 was because they had injuries in the defence and Veltman came back. And he looked pretty good, to be fair, playing at right back. He all of a sudden rose to the challenge of it. But again, as I, as I just said, he then started the next season back at centre-back and was making mistakes. I guess the thing with Ajax is you don't have to do too much defending playing at centre-back. You end yeah. up being relied upon a lot more for your um, attacking abilities
2: on the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. And presumably, technically, he's he's all right. He's bound to be, isn't yeah. he? he has be playing for Ajax. He's, he's got to have come through certain levels of quality in the technical department, hasn't he, to have uh, to, um, got his place... For that side of things so Very yeah sounds. okay it's going to be interesting to see what happens i mean we've had a, a a lot of dutch players through the years at the albion um we i mean going back in time to my early days coming a bit older it, and there was a guy called hans cray who was this quirky character mm. um he used to bounce up and down do all sorts of weird stuff um in certain matches at uh, the Goldstone. um More recently, we've had um, Danny Holler, who had a brilliant Mm. song. I won't sing it online because my singing voice is not something that um, I'd want to inflict on the general public. Um, But the song was better than the player, I think. He at first looked good um, and then sort of seemed to slip away. I don't know if you knew much about him. Um, That was, I think, probably coming from a little bit earlier on in time. But um, did you get a chance to see him, Danny Holler, at any point? Yeah,
3: well, in the Netherlands, he was a sound player, I believe to play for Arden Den And then he, yeah. he came for free or something. He was always good at, a good free kick-taker. And then he came with yeah. I think it's just that 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 gap, isn't it, between Dutch and English football? Because it's obviously a higher level, but also just the speed of play. And I think some players can come to the Netherlands and just get overroar by it all, and it can be far too much. And I think Holler was yeah. probably one of those, yeah, um, one of those who fell victim to that. Yeah,
2: yeah. We had Kenny Agustin as well, I think it's pronounced. Um, he was... <laughs> Again, not great. A um, bit of a character. But he, he rolled someone off the pitch when they were injured. Um, not to the guy's um, irritation either. The guy just let him roll him off the pitch when he was injured once. That was strange. But apart from that, that's the only thing I can remember about Kimi Agustin. Um, more recently, we've had some good players in. And um, Davy Prupa has, um, I think... Um, either straight away or gradually, you know, depending on who you speak to, warms to, uh, warms up with the, with the Albion fans. I mean, they've been pretty happy with him overall. He's got some nice touches. He's got a nice specialism with knocking the ball nicely with the outside of his foot, foot into some forward passing movements on the diag. Um, some great silky touches. Um, where he's played for the Dutch national team, he's played further forward, hasn't he? Either as a 10 or just as an attacking midfielder in general and got amongst the goals. He's played more, Generally central for us, and even the holding role occasionally. Um, do you, have you followed much of him um, either before and during his time at Brighton?
3: Um, I followed him from his time at the Tests and then into PSV when he impressed in the Champions League. I feel oh, yeah. it was a, an excellent signing when Brighton first got him. I haven't watched him too much over his time at Brighton. I've caught the odd match with him um, to see how he's sort of getting on, and yeah, I noticed he played a lot. He plays a lot deeper nowadays. Uh, he used to yeah. be like a sort of box, box midfielder, which is what the Netherlands use him for now. A bit more of an eight, um, sort of yes, linking the play between De Jong and the attacking players. He was always quite good outside the box with shooting that kind of thing, setting up players. Yeah, he was, he's a, he's a good player. Yeah. Um, is he staying at Brighton for the time being?
2: Yeah, I mean, as far as we know, he is. He's. Um, I, mean, I agree with you. that I think he's better in that more forward, advanced position, um, or at least where he can link the play up and get forward. Um, I, I'm not convinced with him in, in a more defensive role. Um, I think it's gone a little bit under the radar since lockdown because um, in the earlier part of the season, I think he was really coming back into his own, starting to have an influence in games and I think having some good performances. Um, after lockdown, I think he's been one of those that suffered from the, the restart. He hasn't, just, just a matter of the break, has broken up his form. And he's not been in good form since. Right. Um, hasn't really impressed but I don't think he's done enough to, to make people want to get rid of them to fault. Um so I think we'll probably be sticking around and we hope to see more from him as well. Um he's a likable player. I think fans generally like him. Um and I think just if he can get more greater consistency, that'll be the thing. It's gonna to be tough obviously because there's competition for places, but yeah, he's not bad, uh, not bad at all. Um so yeah, we'll we'll have to see um see what happens with him, we'll have to see what happens with them. In terms of um other players that are on the scene, if yeah, I've are looking for any more talent. Who are the people that have caught your eye in this season's Dutch League Eredivisie? Who's been the um, standouts in terms of potentially realistic options for a club like yeah. us or, or like you guys?
3: Yeah, uh, Premier League teams always look to those sort of divisions, don't they, for some of the best players who they can, you know, that, that are quite affordable, um, might have experience at European level. Yeah, there's always yeah. eyes upon the top teams. Uh, Ajax usually are selling to the bigger clubs nowadays, aren't they? Um, mm. With yeah. their better players. Um, so I guess you're looking at sort of PSV, AZ Alkmaar, Feyenoord. Um, oh, it's very tricky on the spot of like that. I, th- I think
2: yeah. good players.
3: <laughs> they're they're <laughs> trying to keep their better players actually at the moment. Mm. I've noticed that um, players might be leaving the year after. But I guess. Oh. I think i have to try and think of someone. Who would be good now for a Premier League team?
2: Yeah, a lot of of them have moved on, haven't they? Recently, the likes of uh, Dilly and people like that. Um, Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, But De Jong as well, of course, was a great player. But um, I'll be looking on with interest anyway. I must admit, when I've seen the Dutch league, I've got to say I agree with what you said just a minute or two ago about the pace of the game. I do think Quality, the technical abilities have always been there with the Dutch um, division, but I do think, yeah, po- possibly the pace is a bit, a little bit slower, isn't it? I think that is the biggest difficulty in transition coming to England if you're going to the Premier League rather than the Championship. Certainly, anyway, um, so it is a tough one, isn't it? it certainly, is tough. Um, one other thing, going back on Feldman as well, I was going to mention. Looking at his stats for this year, I think he's played 19 Eredivisie games um and the things in the cup. But he's he's also played nine Champions League games. I think four of those qualifiers, um qualifying round five of them in the in the group stage. Um but also in all cases, I don't think he scored any goals. Does he ever get amongst the goals in previous seasons? Um or has he been someone that's generally held back more? He's always got that previous? corners.
3: But it's a good point. Oh, well, that yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that he's ever been a threat. And I come back to that point of his area ability, not really able to win all those headers in the box. But what he has been good at when he's been playing at right back is he does um, overlap quite a lot and does get very far forward. I noticed that Brighton yeah. um, a points last season, were switching between a back four and a back five, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I
2: That's just true. wonder if
3: the Veltman's attacking enough for a right wing back position, um, if he's ever put there. You need a big squad that you win there in the Premier League. Yeah. You need to have yeah, a good actually. two two good right backs, you know, four good centre backs. So I'm sure Valmore will be used next season. In what position I'm not too sure. Yeah, he doesn't get amongst the goals too much. But there was one season where I do believe he got eight assists in the area of and that's when he played at right back, which is yeah. um, a really good stat for a right back. Yeah.
2: That's interesting. But um yeah, certainly in terms of he's going to be part of a square up back four. I mean, Potter does change his tactics around. So he's varying, as you said, between a four and a five. When it's a five, it's wing back. So we've, we've got Lamptey that will certainly fit that role. Lamptey can also play uh, right mid or attacking right side. Um So it's a flexible scenario. So I can see how he's going to be forming part of a, a rotational squad, I think you could probably call it, for the next uh, the next mm. season okay great well, that's, that's good on the Dutch side of things just a quick word on how you got into the Dutch football as a, an English guy from yeah. the Midlands how did you get into Dutch football particularly and how did you end up in Exeter as well <laughs> answer that <laughs> um, whichever way around you want
3: <laughs> well Exeter was more of a, a live thing with the university and then and our work um, I yeah. love it down here down this down this part of the world but, I mean you're from London yeah. you know living there and I find big cities yeah well, I, I grew up in one and I wanted to move away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not looking back from that one. Um, but from, yeah, no, big Villa fan. I'll try and get down Villa Park when I can. Hopefully I can in the next few years. We'll have to see what happens with that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, with Dutch football, I don't know if any of, any of your listeners uh, remember Wilfred Baumer, he used to play for Villa. He was their left back and uh, a yeah, Dutch mm. left back. He was one of my favourite players at the time when I was growing up and he got very badly injured and then he got into getting released from Aston Villa. He went back to the Netherlands, he played for PSV. I just never happened to have it on TV, and I just watched the highlights, and uh, I was like, uh, it's my favourite, one of my favourite players, you know, playing again um, after his long-term injury, and I kept watching him. And Then there was a build-up to the World Cup in 2010, and uh, the highlights were sort of introduced me to this world of Dutch football, where it was following the Netherlands' build-up to 2010. And then, of course, it got to the final of that World Cup, and it just... Men are quite excited to, to know more about the league and the, you know, the country and the team, because yeah. that's what inspired me. Um, they've got many passionate fans from all over the world, and I guess that's why we do what we do uh, in the English language. So yeah, I guess for any uh, interested people listening, then um, com. We've got all sorts. We've, we go from articles, we do sort of videos as well, just anything really, podcast too, just like your own. Yeah.
2: Excellent, great. And what else? So in terms of you've been writing, you've been tweeting, obviously, and doing blogs and that kind of stuff as well. Um, have you got plans going forwards in terms of are you going to change up what you're doing or add new elements to what you're doing uh, for this?
3: Well, um, if you've got some really passionate bright fans, it might be interesting to hear George Cox, your former youth team player, played for Fortuna Sittard last season and I caught him just at the end of last season to ask him about his future and how he's enjoying the Netherlands, and it was it was a really eye-opening interview. He was really honest about it, um, so I really recommend that coming to that side of things because we do try and do try and get in contact with with players. It's it's a very hard job, of course, when you know you and I we're not doing this full time, but we, we just enjoy hearing from other people about about other things in the footballing world. And yeah, we love doing what we do. I guess we'll be building up to the Euros next summer as well, so that's that's been big for us. Yeah, and it'll be a very interesting tournament, I'm sure.
2: So thanks very much for joining us, Michael. It's been a pleasure. Good luck for the season, as far as I can wish you that, given that you're a Villa fan. But we'll see. We'll see how we all sit next season. Thanks for coming on, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Bye. Okay, so I'm now joined uh, for the second part of this transfer special by John Gibbons, who we had on just a few weeks ago. Welcome back to the show, John.
1: Thanks for having me. Pleasure.
2: Excellent. Appreciate you coming back to us so soon. And um, the season is finally now finished, at least um, Champions League shenanigans aside. We're not worried about any of that, are we, this year? <laughs> um, but in terms of transfers, um, things are already afoot. And for the Albion, our first signing of the summer, was certain Mr. Adam Lallana, who, of course, you guys know well. He's been with you for is it six years, I think. Five, I a think. Time.
1: Yeah. Let, far uh, far from, yeah. No, sorry, you are right. He did six seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yes,
2: yeah. And um, at the age of only 28, he's coming to us. Or, sorry, 28. I don't know what today. He's 32, isn't he? At the age of 32, he's coming to us on a three-year deal. Um, what What's your take on it? We, we know plenty about him overall. What's your take on him as a player, having seen him up close and personal on a more regular basis, live in the grounds and so on? Um, what, what, in your opinion, are we getting, other than just quite a good midfielder there? <laughs> Tell us more. I mean,
1: he's he's a nice footballer. He's lovely on the eye, first of all. You know, for those of us, you don't get um, points, obviously, for artistic impression in football. But if, but if you did, uh, Adam Larnon would certainly get plenty. Uh, he's, he's very two-footed, uh, which is obviously quite a rare thing in the game um, and you'll weigh in with goals and assists as well which is important and I think sometimes with that sort of footballer um, you know it can you know be a bit nice on the eye but but, but Adam when he has played has also weighed in with goals and assists so you get end product from him as well and um when he's fit and that's the that's the issue obviously uh his injuries but when he's when he's fit uh, he's 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 a really good player um and he'll he he puts a big shift in as well, and i think that's what all supporters like no matter what club you support you know a guy who's out there who's who's giving his all um yeah you know his importance and and so he, you know he was he was popular at liverpool um uh, for for you know for the, the way he played but also you know for his efforts and sort of and sort of what he what he put in every week and you know you saw the I'm sure you'll have seen, you know, the, the the sort of scenes if you like when he did leave, and it was it was it was quite it looked quite emotional for, for for within the football club and players leave every summer, don't they? But really, sort of get that level of fanfare that that he got, and so you know it just shows that that what an impact you know he he made on that squad and and in that group.
2: Yeah, it's great to hear. Bowlerhouse is a good lad. Uh, he's come across pretty well with anyone that's known him, and, and certainly in the uh, press as well. I remember I listened to your end of season one where you were talking about players that were going and you did a yeah. section on, on him and obviously you did say two-footed, I think graceful, elegance. he's got the balance and he's good with in close spaces, isn't he? He's quite good in a tight space. He seems to be able to find room to, to get a pass off, that kind of thing. Um, being two-footed, I think, certainly helps. And I think for the Albion, we, we're looking for a couple of elder statesmen on the pitch and we've got a fairly young team nowadays, so... It's good to have him in, and we we were talking to a, a Dutch football um, supporting, a f- football following guy um, just now who um, is talking about Velman, who we've got in from Ajax as well. And then on the same basis, and um, that's why I was thinking, twenty eight years old, by the way, <laughs> mixing up the players. Um, but he, he's twenty eight, so again, it's someone of a certain age and seniority that will, I think, will help us on the pitch in the in the short to medium term. Uh, similar contract he's on, and um, but with Lalana, I think he's. Potentially captain material, I think, as well. If we did lose Dunk at any point, um, even if we don't, he's a, he's a captain without name. He's still going to be that kind of a person, isn't he? I think a leader would would create a good impression and be a good influence on the younger players, would you say?
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a performance that I'd encourage all your listeners to to look for, uh, and I know. There's extended highlights of it on YouTube because I checked just before. Was the FA Cup game this season against Everton? Um, Lalana um, ended up Did captain in that. Si- ended up ca- hmm? captain in that side. Um, I think didn't score as well. He didn't score. Curtis Jones scored the goal. Uh, we won one 0 We beat Everton, um, but it was a very young team. Um, but he sort of led that team, really. Milner was was, was was due to, well, did play, but, but only lasted sort of 67 minutes. So I think Lallana took the armband after that. Yeah. But whether he had the armband on or not, he did lead. And I think that's the kind of thing you're talking about. I mean, that was a very young team. You know, I'm sure I'm sure Brian will be put a team sort of that quite that young out. But just, you know, because I could talk to you wax lyrical about how good he was in 16, 17 and things like that. But, you know, it's, you, you listeners might be thinking, well, that was a few years ago. But watch that Everton performance. That was only from January. Where he, uh and he was excellent uh, the, the, he was leading the press he was he was snapping into tackles he was you know, he, he just led the team in, in every way there and, and, and obviously the, the quality on the ball, you know, was always there with him as well and, and people came out, you know, that was, a, that was a great day it's always great to beat your rivals in an FA Cup game, isn't it? And the young Scouse lad scored in the goal and all that but, but people on the way out, you know, just say, were just saying look, we're talking about Lalana and and, and, and the, the performance that he'd put in, you know, I, I won't quite say rolling back the years because that's maybe a bit unfair but it certainly, you know, showed uh, what he was, what is still capable of.
2: Yeah, and he's. I mean, part of the remit of the the deal. I think they, they like the way we were talking about what sort of role we'd be giving him um, on and off the pitch. And um, I think that's a, a general statement at the time. But I don't know how to what degree they're thinking about coaching. I know they've mentioned to him, and I think it's just an open ended invite that they might be able to get him into some kind of coaching capacity should he want to do that later down the line. Has he expressed any? Um, interested in doing something like that in earlier times when he's been with you guys?
1: I haven't seen it to be honest with you mate but it wouldn't surprise mm. me because I think he is he's a very intelligent player um, and Klopp spotted that straight away and so um, in these sort of early Klopp teams he was he was playing him every week and um, Lalana was said to have led the press uh, and what that means is obviously I think people think with, with Klopside and we pressing, you know, it's just it's just charging around for ninety minutes and it's not it is a bit more sophisticated than that, I can assure <laughs> you. Uh, but what basically they choose the moments to press and they choose, you know, it might be sort of, you know, a player looking like he's in a bit of a trouble or, or the or the sense that if the if the if they can go in certain areas that they'll win the ball back and it was Lalana who was one of the players on the pitch who was who was deemed the best judge of that, if you like? So he was sort of leading it. You know, when he pressed, they all sort of went with him, and that was partly because of position what he was playing, but also because yes. Klopp trusted him. You also see quite a bit when he is playing that that Klopp will will give Lallana messages to, to then sort of pass them on because he trusts him to sort of understand things very quickly and, and to communicate well as well. So he was he was a very trusted lieutenant for lo, for. Um, for Klopp and for Liverpool, and you sense that obviously he has had problems with injuries over the last few years. But generally, when he was fit and available, Klopp would use him, and that's not necessarily take to pick him from the start. But uh, but he but he, you know he'd he evolve him on the bench. Obviously, he gets a big goal away at Manchester United this season, which is another another popular team to do well against. Him. And I was a little bit surprised. I had a little look because I knew I was torn. He actually plays 15 league games this season, which was a lot more than I thought. But but, yeah. but that just shows that. As I say, that reinforces my point that, that when he was available, Klopp would always try and use him.
2: Yeah, uh, that's pretty decent, isn't it? And um, he could get amongst the goals occasionally as well, funny I think he's said a few key... He is not not a huge amount, but he tends to pop up, doesn't he, from time to time with key goals. I think Yeah, it's he's a decent, decent finisher.
1: Faster, it, is, yeah. it was, you know, it is... Um, I think his best league return was eight. That was in sixteen and seventeen, where that was a real purple patch. He, he was, wow. i must, He he played he played well. That's eight league goals that season. He, yeah, I mean that was his his best year for us. I think he was voted England Player of the Year that year as well. Yeah. So the England supporters do a Player of the Year, and I'm pretty sure that that was the year that Lalana won it. And so he was really sort of on fire then. The goals have have dried up a little bit, he' but he's but he's been pushed. Further back, so he's been, he's been playing deeper. Um, it's it's obviously up to your manager where he can use him. Um, but I think if you guys are playing a four-two-three-one. I think that's right, and I would imagine he would play, you know, somewhere in that three. Although we can play, uh, you know, in in the two if if you want him to, yeah. because. Because, like you say, he's good, he is good in tight spaces. He can receive his ball, the ball with his back to goal and, and turn. And so, so they might have their eye on using him a little bit deeper. But obviously, you know, in terms of yeah. goal return, it, it just sort of depends where he is on the pitch. But, but he will but he will chip yeah. in.
2: It sounds like he'd be quite flexible as well, which also fits in with Potter's policies. He wants a, a, a sort of fluid rotational squad, if you know what I mean, in terms of what he's going to be doing. Yeah, you're right. We can play various formations, actually. We can play... Um, a forty-three one. We we played with five or three slash five at the back with wing backs, either having a square four, all sorts really. So I think he could fit into different scenarios there. Um, sounds like he'll be handy. Yeah, I think he scored eighteen in one hundred and twenty-eight according to Wiki for you guys. Yeah, um, that's in the league. Yeah, eighteen
1: league goes, It's not bad, yeah.
2: Yeah, not bad. And of course, he, he got into the England squad. Um, Probably his days will be numbered in that regard. I don't think he's played for them for a while. However, you know, there's, there's a new generation coming through. We're not fussed about that. International <laughs> breaks. <laughs> you can rest. You can rest then. Um, that's good, good to hear. Um, in terms of um, other players we're looking for, we, we're probably well-suited and well-equipped in, um, well, well in centre-back. We might be looking at a left-back. We might be looking at wider attacking uh, roles as well. Um, and we're definitely in the market for strikers. Um, I don't know if we. I'm not sure what the status is. We're loaning Premier League to Premier League now. If we can do it in the transfer window or not. But if we're able to, is is it feasible to get someone like Rian Brewster, who I know a lot of you guys are really highly rating, but where does he sit in the in the Liverpool narrative? Does he does he get int- integrated potentially this year with 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 the Reds, or is he going to go out on another loan? I
1: think it depends on on what we do with the transfer markets, and so. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was talk obviously we, we were in quite heavily for Timo Werner, uh, and that didn't end up happening, uh, because of you know a, a financial reasons basically. But if it wasn't for the coronavirus, Timo Werner would be in the red of Liverpool instead of the Chelsea of uh mm-hmm. blue. Um, so if that deal would have got over, then you know, it would have made complete sense for Rian uh, Brewster to go out on another loan. Um, if we still end up getting a forward play, it wouldn't be surprised if he does. Uh, the other one, you know, that, that is a factor in it, it's obviously Divock Origi, what sort of happens with him. Uh, I think yeah. if you get a good offer for Origi, he'll go this summer. Um And so... You know, we might end up you know, starting the season with less strikers than, than instead of more. Uh, and so, in that case, if, if Rigi left and no one else come in, I would imagine Brewster would stay because he will get games. Um, I think he needs time on the pitch. The, the loan to Swansea has done in the world of good and. You know, just playing every week, playing in a tough league as well. And he is a tough little fella, do you know what I mean? Don't be fooled by the yeah. baby by the baby face and the size, <laughs> you know what I mean? They they like him down in Swansea and part of the reason is, is because he'll he'll put it about a little bit. So I won't worry too much about that. But look in this little mini season, you know, he was absolutely on fire and, 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 and obviously, you know, got Swansea into the playoffs. It didn't quite work out there, but you know, they were they were sort of nowhere near it really, you know, got through on the last day and yes. he was scoring almost. Every week in that in that project we start kind of period um he doesn't need many chances, which is the sign of a of a good strike you know he could be you know I saw some games for Swansea because I did obviously watch it with interest and he was quite starved of the ball really, but then you know next year, you know the the ball was in the back of the net because he found them, so I think. Um, I think he probably will go out again, just because this loan's been so good for him. And I think a Premier League club would would, would probably make more sense this time, uh, rather than sort of going back to the Championship. He needs to sort of prove he can he can sort of make the step up, really. So, so why not Brighton? Um, you know they play good football, and you know there's obviously you know the uh, you know there's, there's links between the teams now, isn't there? So yeah, yeah. so why not? He'll know at least, he'll at least know Adam, won't he? <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. I'll be a big fan of uh, Bruce. I've, I've seen him sort of emerge and seen a few Swansea games and he really has got it all. He's, he's got a cool head on his shoulders already for a young age. Um, he's got a hell of a shot on him, not just yeah. in terms of power, yeah. but also, uh, yeah, the, the nuance the timing of his, of his shots, little volleys, half volleys. He's got really good attributes there. As you said, he's strong already, not afraid to put it about. And he is a conventional striker rather than a, a striker that really goes wide and does all sorts of other stuff. And that's probably the missing ingredient we haven't had for quite a while. So it might be a good gap for us and a useful platform maybe for him. So yeah. um, if you know anyone, have, have a word at Liverpool. And as for next season, John, just to finish, um what's your hopes for next year? I mean, is it just going to be literally emulate what you've done this year, try and get the title, and not worry about anything else? Um, think It's keep on it, but your traditions in the Champions League—you you always say, "Oh, exactly!" No. Look,
1: I, you know the it's 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 the team that loves European football and a, and, a, and a sort of a football club as you say that's got a a proud tradition in that tournament. So I'm sure they'll go for that one again. Not being in this Champions League for this period it will sting them a bit. Although I don't think actually in the, in the medium long term it, it's the worst thing in the world. You know to, to 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 not be in it this year. You know to get that little break. It's a good year not to be in it. If you're going to go out one year yeah. early, have it this one. I suppose is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. But I think yeah, title challenge again and I think there's a there's a feeling in amongst Liverpool supporters and also I think in the squad that this is a really special group of players that doesn't come along very often really and they're all coming into the peak years. Um You know, the the world, you know, the next two or three years, we should see the best of of a lot of these players, really, in terms of their age. And so, so we want them to be greedy, really, and we want them to sort of make the most of it. And we interviewed James Milner uh, about a month or so ago, and he said it'll actually be, um, you know, a bit of a disgrace if this team doesn't doesn't win a lot is it because 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 of how sort of talented it is and look he's he's been man of the block and he's played in plenty of good teams so he knows. Um so yeah, more of the same next season, um, keep winning trophies and, and just making the most of, of of what we've got, as I say, which is a really talented squad.
2: Yeah. I mean certainly looking at the Champions League, I think City are amongst the favourites to win that. The longer that goes on, of course, great for them for this year with winning that trophy if they do manage to do that. But of course, that means they're getting a shorter and shorter close season. Yeah. You've got to be kind of cheering them on to win it almost, haven't you? Is <laughs> the Champions League tallies? You almost want them to get to the final and go all the way extra time and everything
1: <laughs> and it is it's an interesting one because obviously there's the Europa league going as well two english teams in that and and how they work it in terms of you know when the league comes back and things like that is 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 going to be an interesting one really and there's there's talk obviously that you know they will get the break so they won't maybe play for the first couple of weeks and that's not ideal if you're starting behind. If Liverpool win their first two games before Man City have ever played or even yeah, played, then you're sort of, yeah, you're sort of playing catch-up straight away, aren't you? Mm. So so we won't mind that too much, but obviously you do have to go out and win. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's true. That's true. Of course, somewhere down the line, they'd have their games condensed again, wouldn't they, as well? Yeah. It's about the strength of the squad who they've got coming in. They've got People like Silver dropping out. I know they've got ready-maders to come in like Foden to play more games, but ultimately he's from the squad that's already there. Yeah. So, you know, weakens it slightly unless they get someone else in. Yeah. will have reason. to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, thank you very much for coming on again, John. A uh, final word I was going to say on that podcast I mentioned I was listening to from you guys. One of your uh, number, I think it might have been yourself, actually said... Grudgingly, you have to admit, Adam and looked look quite good in the blue kits, the new Albion blue kit. He looks absolutely
1: <laughs> lovely, honestly. Like, we, serious, we, doesn't uh, it? Right? absolutely fantastic. And, and look, and we all sort of wish him well. He's, he's a brilliant fella uh, as well as obviously a lovely footballer. I'll just tell you a little story before we go, if you don't mind, mate. Um, yeah, go on. We, go, on. Go, um, we tend to do the summer pre-season tours uh, just because they're good fun and we get a bit better access. And obviously here there's all the Premier League rules and a lot of pressure on them, whereas if we go over to America, it's a bit sort of more relaxed so we get the proper pest passes and all that and, and we enjoy ourselves and 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 so I was um this was a few years ago now uh, when the when the Anfield app was, was maybe not quite as as sort of established as it is now and we were in the mix zone area and we were just trying to get some players to stop for us and and Adam Lallana walked past and I and I said, Oh Adam, um could you just give us a minute? And he and he said, oh, he said, oh no, now I'm tired of it. And then And then I said, for the Anfield rap. And he went, oh, it's for the rap, okay. And then came over <laughs> and spoke to us. So, so I think that shows, you know, that obviously he's 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 onto fan media. He's aware of it. So who knows? In a few months' time, maybe uh, the Brain Rock podcast will be uh, featuring Adam Lalana.
2: Oh, let's hope so. We can't try, <laughs> can't we? <laughs> I'm following him on Twitter. I'll have to start stalking him. out sending sending messages all over him. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Anyway, let's hope it does well for us. And um, hopefully we have get a good reception when we play you guys. Hopefully we'll get the well. uh, crowds back by that point, whenever it is. In the meantime, thanks for joining us, uh, John. And maybe we'll speak to you next season. Cheers. All the best. Hello and welcome to the third part of our transfer special and um, where we've now been joined by a Wigan Athletic supporter and local up-and-coming journalist in the area, Jay Whittle. Welcome to the show, Jay. How are you doing?
0: I'm great. And yourself?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. A little bit of an injured knee. Apart from that, I'm all right. I <laughs> um, wanted to talk to you about J- Jensen Weir, of course, who the Albion of Science um, and also perhaps a little bit later as well just to get a little word on what's going on with Wigan, because, of course, there's a load of stuff going on behind the scenes. We'll come to that in a moment. But first of all, starting with the, um, with the Jensen we're signing. So, young lad, um, he's been with you guys for... I think he's come through your youth ranks right the way through, hasn't he, I think, to start with. Is that right? Um, and he's been... Sorry, go on, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I believe so. Jensen is one of the many talents we've got or we have coming out of the academy. Gregory Ock, Nick Chadwick, all the coaches have been absolutely outstanding in recent years. producing some really top-quality talent we've had. Jensen Weir, obviously moved to, to yourselves in the Premier League. Uh, Son of David Weir, uh, Everton legend. And obviously, David Weir is working at Brighton at the moment. So you can kind of see why he went to Brighton above uh, Tottenham, who was obviously after a signature. Uh, so he wants to be with his dad, and you can't blame him for that. Uh, he's only 18, yeah. and I think you've got an absolute steal, to be honest with you, I think. He's got a lot of potential to, to make it quite far in the game because if you look at his raw aspects, he, he's only he was only young, so there's plenty of time for him to de- develop. But he seems to have the natural talent to play in midfield because I always find midfielders have more longevity uh, playing because they, they seem to have a longer career. Gareth Barry, James Milner. I'm not complaining to the, him to that model players just yet, but to, to describe it a Jensen way, I've I'm going to admit, I'm not a complete expert on him. I've, I've seen him play four or five mm. times, but I've seen enough of him to, to make a good, honest opinion of what I think of him. And I think the first thing you've got to notice is his, uh, his size, his height and his physique. He's not built like a typical kid. Uh, sometimes you find in junior football, I say junior academy football, uh, some players are quite lightweight and they do struggle to make the step up to men's football because of the physicality but I don't think that'll be an issue for, for Jensen because he's, he's very strong, he's very physical. He likes getting on the ball. He, he likes the, the dirty side of football, the, the more rough and ready side of getting your foot sucking, uh, winning the ball, battling for your team. Uh, I believe he's been captain as well a few times. He's a, a youth international. Uh, he's represented both Scotland and England. Um, so yeah. he's got a choice of two. Obviously, I'd like him to, to play for England, but he might play for Scotland to have more chance of playing international football because I hey, think Scotland take anyone who wants to play from really. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and his dad's Scottish of course isn't he? Yeah it? of course um, but uh, that's the that's connection there, that's, mm. that's a joke aside, I actually have got a family in Scotland but uh, I know they not made them <laughs> All right. in quite a long time um, but no, <laughs> J- Jensen's uh, a really great lad as well, I think everyone who's, who's yeah. met him, he's very mature, he's got an old head on young shoulders. And I think that is one of the most important things for youngsters at the moment because, at this age of football, a lot of players are kind of blinded by social media. They're blinded by the attention footballers get. They like the limelight, like they like going out, they like getting in the headlines. But he's very grounded. He just he gets his head down, works hard, and that's all you want from your young players. And I think it, it won't surprise me if he breaks into the Brighton team very soon. Um, I know Dan Byrne, a uh, former Wigan player, he's, he's been yes. at left-back of all places. Uh, he was a uh, towering centre-back for Wigan for many years. Uh, after a shaky start at Wigan, he, he proved to be one of the best central defenders we've had of the, the recent decades, definitely in the 2010s. And I think for Jensen now, it, it's just a case of continuing his good work on the pitch, continuing developing his skills because uh, at the moment, you look at his raw ability, but the strength he's got, he's good in the air. He can pass with both feet. He's got an eye for goal. I think he has got the potential to be a complete midfielder. Uh, he's got with set of pieces too. I've, he's scored a few absolute beauties uh, from the free kick positions. The one that stands out for me is against, um, I think it was Croydon Town in a youth game. Um, that was an outstanding goal. It might be against another team, but he's off the top of my head, so I apologise. It is slightly incorrect. Uh, but Jensen is outstanding. Uh, he's a great prospect and uh, I wish him all the best. It's a shame we kind of lost him really because I was predicting mm-hmm. that he'd break into the Ligan team this time, uh, this season, and and all, may, almost make the midfield spot his own because he's been on the cusp for quite a while. He's been really close to breaking into the team. He's been in the match day squad a few times. and I think mm-hmm. now it's a massive opportunity for him to go to a great club like Brighton and work to, to break into that team, play in the Premier League, and I think Brighton have got a great chance going forward as well to not just stay in the Premier League for many years to come. They could maybe push, do similar to Wolves, push towards Europa League, playing Europe one day. I'd like to see that for not only for Dan Dan Burn, Jensen, Weir. I, I like quite a lot of the Brighton players at the moment. Aaron Connolly, he's, he's caught my eye a lot. He's a very talented youngster, a bit like Jensen. Uh, he, he's a kind of striker I like. He, he doesn't give defenders a rest. Really, he's always biting at the ankles and always kind of. <laughs> Letting him know he's yeah. there, and I just think yeah. it, it's a shame. Obviously, we've lost Jensen, but at the same time, it, it's great for him to to get a move to a Premier League club. It it's worked out well for for all parties because although Jensen hasn't made a massive, well, he has made a, a big contribution for the academy teams. He's not made a big contribution to the big Athletic first team, but he has in a way because without his sale to Brighton, we wouldn't be club mm-hmm. at the moment. We wouldn't be existing anymore. So. He has helped us save the club in that retrospect and, and obviously as well. I imagine in his deal, there'd be the, the regular appearance clauses, selling clauses. So if he goes on to have a really good time at Brighton, does really well, he might get a move to uh, the bigger clubs, mm. uh, a Dortmund maybe, a Manchester City, Liverpool. Um, yeah. So it's it's very sad. It's, it's bittersweet really. It's, you're happy for the player, sad for the situation, yeah. but you know he's, yeah. he's going to have a lot of Wigan fans flowing his career closely now because he's he's been out, outstanding as a youth player and it's going
2: to be great to see him progress in a Brighton shirt. Great. Excellent. That sounds all, all very promising. It's all very good. I mean, he made his debut at um, just, I think he was only 15, wasn't he, at the time? Um, about three years ago. Um, coming up for three years ago now. So, you know, I know that was a, a one-off game to give him some time and just give him a taster, but... Um, one thing you've mentioned is uh, about sort of prospects at Brighton. I think with the new manager now, with Graham Potter, there is definitely a distinctive difference in opportunities given to younger players. You've mentioned Aaron Connolly. We've got Stephen Elzate come through as well, as another midfielder. Um, and, and there's been other opportunities as well for players to come in and get a taster. Um, there's also a really good policy with loan outs. So we're getting people, obviously we're looking at them closely. Some of the time it's in-house development for a while. Sometimes we're putting them out on loan. Um, Someone that sounds very similar to what you've described, Jensen's style as Jason Malumbi has been doing very well at Millwall this year on loan and has been one of their better players, I think. Um, So I wonder if at some point in the development process, he might even come back to Wigan for a loan spell as well. That might be another possibility somewhere along the line. Um, But it certainly all sounds promising and we're certainly going to wish him the best. I guess he'll stay in the 23s for a little bit for now and then we'll see where it goes from there. But it um, seems, seems good. And you, just sort of in summary, so you'd say he's more—he's a central, central midfielder. You know, probably, is he would, he, would you say he gets box-to-box as well, or is he more just, um, is, is he a number eight, a number six, or just, just is he kind of dead centre?
0: I think he, he could play anywhere in midfield. Box-to-box yeah. is, is normally his style, but he yeah. could play in defence in midfield, he could play in attacking midfield, and he'll equally do a job. He's got a great eye for goal. He, he can do the hard work, but he can do the flashier stuff as well. So I think Jensen can yeah. play anywhere. He's asked, really, even if given we give got a centre-back if you have a crisis. You never know, because <laughs> I know Dan Burns playing left-back, so we might see Jensen playing in goal. You never know.
2: <laughs> Anything's possible with Grant Potter at the moment. But yeah, it's all good. It's all good. I noticed, actually, it's going to be quite interesting his international career, because he's played 16s for Scotland and, and captain them, I think, 17s for Scotland, and then for England and 18s for England. So I'm wondering if going back to be close to his dad, whether the, the swing's going to go back to Scotland again <laughs> under closer influences. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I can.
0: I yeah, I can definitely see that. I think I can yeah. see him representing Scotland and following his dad's footsteps, and that'd be great for him. Scotland have some great players, and and with players like Jensen, it would definitely boost their chances of qualifying for a uh, major competition, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, I know we're going to have quite a few Scottish internationals at the moment. David Marshall, our goalkeeper, he's he's had a great career at the top level with Cardiff and Hull City, um, and he's been great for us in the the year we've had him, and hopefully he stays. But at the moment, we're not thinking of players staying. Um, It's just a case of making sure we still have a club to support this time
2: in September when the season kicks off. Yeah, excellent. Um, Just speaking a moment ago about loans, Of course, a couple of players we had um, over with you guys, Leon Balligan, who's obviously moved on to Rangers now, but um, we also had Jan Mlakar, one of our other youth guys, um, came over to you. Um, Did you get a chance to see much? I know Mlacar didn't get as much game time, I don't think, but did you get um, a chance to see much of him? And how did Leon do as well?
0: I absolutely loved Leon Balogun. Uh, He was absolutely outstanding. Um, He's a top professional. Gave his all on the pitch. A real leader at the back, and he was a massive part of why we kept clean sh- uh, ten clean sheets in our last fifteen games. and yeah. We went on a really unbelievable run, and he's at Rangers now, which um, is a good move for him. Uh, a great big club for him to go to, and I think he's got a great mindset. He's very intelligent when it comes to his interviews. I've seen he he speaks really well, and he's a real he's yeah, a I've fan really favorite. He's, he's a real he was a fan favorite here definitely because. He kind of he kind of got it. He kind of knew what it meant to be a wing player. And at probably our darkest time in in recent decades, it was really refreshing yeah. to see. Uh, Jan Malaka. To be honest with you, um, I think he played once at Brentford. And mm. to be honest with you, I, I must I must say, although he only played once, I was kind of thinking, I don't know why he didn't play more because he looked bright. He he had a, quite a decent chance. He got himself in quite a few good areas and. He looks like he's got quite a good turn of pace. He, he looks quite comfortable on the ball. Uh, he's only young as well. I think he's, I, I believe is an international for his country, which is yeah. somehow hmm. slipped out of mind. I think it was. Uh, I would like to. Yeah, yeah. I would like to guess Slovakia, but I'm not too sure. Um, I think it's it's either Slovakia or Slovenia. It's or one of them two. Other. It's definitely one of them yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. I always get mixed up with okay. So I used to hate when England used to be in the same group as both of them because so I just never knew which one was we playing <laughs> um but it,
2: it yeah it gets a bit complicated
0: <laughs> yeah but yeah Jan, Jan put his all in, in a Wigan shirt when he did play it's a shame we didn't get to see mm-hmm. more of him but I'm sure he'll go on to have a really bright career I think he definitely does yeah. another of a low move at the championship level or elsewhere in other country because I know he was at QPR before he came to Wigan and he didn't really set the world alight at QPR, which probably led to his spell at Wigan. I think he only made about seven appearances at QPR too. But before he yeah. was brought to Brighton, he was firing goals like there were no tomorrow, and it's going to be great to hopefully see his development. Whenever a player leaves Wigan, I always like them to do well wherever they go because it's always appreciated to see when they represent the club because. Uh, nine out of ten times, the players are excellent with the fans on and off the pitch. They always put their role for the, the club and, and that's all you can ask for, really. I know a lot of fans yeah. get quite um, over-criticised the players at times, claim they could do a better job. I, I've seen so many awful shouts saying, I need to get my boots on, I need to play. <laughs> I could do a better job than him. I'm a better midfielder than him. But in hindsight, uh, they're the ones playing professional football. And you, you say this, watching it in the crowd with a pint. A pie and a bag of crisps. So, I think there is a definite overlap of fans. Kind of need to not stay in the lane as such. The paying customers, yeah, right to get their opinion. But I think it is yeah. harsh to criticise players. To be honest, I think it is very disrespectful. Yeah. That. But I'm I'm yeah. not completely innocent. I I've definitely slated a player in the past or two, but it's always
2: constructive. Yeah, I mean probably me too. <laughs> um, just finally on Leon Bangun, he's, um he's gone, he didn't get many chances with us actually, because we've always been quite richly stocked with centre-backs and that seems to be going on now as well. And I think ultimately, because he didn't get as much game time as he would have liked, he moved on. We did like him, I think all in all, and particularly because he came on against the rivals Palace as a sub and scored with his first touch, which um, that's going to go down pretty well. But he's ended up following Conor Goldson, who was in exactly the same boat with us before. Uh, so we've got two ex-Brighton players at centre-back for Rangers now, which is strange. Um, so that's, uh, that's one thing. But you, you said he was one of the, uh, the better players and what was a pretty excellent second half of... Well, not second half of the season, you'd say the, um, the weird um, addendum to the season, which was Project Restart, where you guys were pretty much the most on-form team, I think, in the country, barring one or two names. Um, brilliant performances, Of course, little did we know what was going to happen next. Um, So, I mean, ultimately, you you fired your way to what should have been safety. I think you said in, I saw a YouTube clip you had with one of the players, um, where I think you said you beat Stoke um, for what should have been a a safety-confirming victory. And then I think it was something like 24 hours later, you were saying it was announced, placed into administration. So I know there might be things you can't mention, but what what can you tell us about that Um, and what, What's the timeline of what happened, or what's the situation there as well at the moment?
0: It, it was really surreal how it came about, to be honest. On the Tuesday, uh, it would have been the end of June, uh, Tuesday 30th of June, we beat Stoke 3 0. Really convincing. We, we locked the part. Yeah. There was talks that we could challenge for a playoff place in the following season. Uh, it we strengthen strengthening a couple of areas. And then we woke up the next day I found out the following lunchtime that the club is in administration. A complete shock. No one had any indication this was going to happen. No one at the club. and it, It's it been a bit surreal. I, when I first saw it I thought it was a joke, to be honest. I got sent it a few times on WhatsApp. I thought it was a parody, to be honest. I thought someone was pulling my leg here. He was playing a practical joke on me. It's not April 1st. Mm. But um, it was the sad reality that the club's was into administration. I can't really delve into much detail of why the club went into administration. But what I can say is that it's the effect it's had on, on fans, it's been heartbreaking to see. It's the effect it's had on the players and staff. Um it's it's been awful really because you, you kind of gotta consider the F, the EFL who they approved the fit and proper persons test, otherwise known as the owner's directors test. It's come out in the appeal verdict report which we're gonna appeal the 12 point deduction which if it was suspended, we would have stayed up, but we, we lost the appeal last Tuesday. It was deemed as unacceptable and unsuccessful, but it, it was said in the report, it was quite interesting that the previous owner was allowed to take over the athletic despite not having the proof of funds, obviously with a fit and proper person's test, for anyone to take over a football club, they need to provide the required finances for two years. So obviously something we've been let down by someone I'm not going to point the fingers or blame mm. anyone for that. I can't say that. I can't speculate. It's not fair of me to do that. It's not my place to do that. But what I can say is that the effect it's had on fans has been um, awful, to be honest. The uncertainty yeah, it causes is surreal as well, mm. because it's a season like there's, there's. I know there's never a good time to go into administration, but to go into administration and during a pandemic, I mean, mm. money, it's not... It's a lot more difficult to find a buyer when it's so unforeseen. We don't know how fans are our back in stadiums. For a club like Wigan Athletic and other League 1 and League 2 clubs, the main source of income is the fans, because it's not only buying tickets on a match day, it's the revenue from buying a pie, buying a pint. A lot of pies are sold at Wigan, as you can expect. I expect the pie to jive any time. Uh, but yeah. it's, it's such a big thing for a club like Wigan, and we kind of are in a bit of limbo now with We've seen our players always getting vultured by the bigger clubs. We've, we've lost a lot of really talented youngsters, Jensen Weir being one of them, Joe Gelhart who moved to the Premier League, new recruits, uh, Leeds yes. United. Um, Keith Moore's gone to Cardiff, Cardiff City. And yeah. I believe Anthony Robinson will be leaving uh, over the next few days, as reported in Wigan Today, Sky Sports, and a lot of
2: respected uh, institutions. Mm. So it's, it's a real And Paul shift. Cook's gone as well, of course, hasn't he? Yeah, um, of course. Was, Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's, he's a manager I like a lot, actually. Um, he, he's the next Sean Dyche in terms of the voice cords, isn't he? But, but, but apart from that, he's, um, he's, he's a good, seems a really nice guy, quite a genuine guy, and obviously did a fantastic job for you guys. But then, ultimately, his hands are tied, isn't he? You can see where it's going to go, and you can understand that as well. Um, it's, it's also, I mean, you were saying about the thing about um, clarity of funding over a two-year period. Isn't the problem with that, isn't that what they did call Charlton up for as well? That didn't they stop them on the same basis? So it seems there's an inconsistency there too. Is that, is that the way you perceive that? I, Sounds like I,
0: it. I definitely agree with that. I know Charlton did get their fit and profit. The people who were trying to buy Charlton were rejected on the fit and profit persons test. I mean, a few people was absolutely seething by this because I'm kind of I, for me, on my point of view, it's a positive that the EFL are learning from the mistakes we might have to be made of an example of, and we might have to be punished for it to not happen to another club. And if that's the sad reality, then so be it. We're just yeah. going to make sure it doesn't happen again to any football club. What I can say is, the Wigan fans have been outstanding throughout this spreading the word on social media, the fundraising the fans have raised over £200,000 for the football club which is paid for, it allowed the club to actually finish the season which was massive because that would have led to more fines and, and punishments and it's been remarkable really to see the fans come together, Wigan fans are usually the most divided bunch of people going because they can never agree who starts on a Saturday at 3pm but they've all been the same with the same message that they want the best for the club, they want the long-term future secured. And I think if if I'm a potential buyer looking at a football club I'd like to invest in, the fans are a big part of any club you want to buy into and the fans have shown that they are a devoted, passionate, committed and unconditional supporters where they'll support a team through thick and thin and I think that goes a long way because when you're looking at buying a football club, the first thing you want to see is the fans behind you from the off and Liga fans will welcome Any new owner, obviously, as long as they're not corrupt or anything of that nature. and Hmm. We're at this point now where as of, I think it was Friday, I believe, the the administrators have set a deadline for the 31st of August for a non-disclosure agreement to be signed, which is the £100,000 to pay by the buyers who want to buy the club for exclusivity. And As it stands, I know a lot of fans are quite worried that we might not get a buyer, but Personally, I think mm. we've got four interested pies at the moment, and I think you've got to look at that. It only takes one person to sign that paper and one person to say this football club. And I think at this point in time, if you don't have hope, you've not got nothing. And we've got to, our club motto has always been keep the faith, believe. Define the also in our DNA, and I think it's never been more appropriate to say those things because mm. in a time where spirits are at an all-time low, everyone's really distressed, anxious. It's an important message to spread of positivity. It, I know it's easier said than done, but there's been a lot of yeah. doomsdayers and it's very bleak. There's no denying that we can't really show the situation we're in. We but yeah. we've got to keep the faith as fans and, and keep doing what we're doing, keep fundraising, keep spreading the word of our situation. And obviously another fans set up a petition, the official supports club saying to review the review the effectiveness of the Certain proper person's test, otherwise known as the owners and directors' test. I believe that has 30,000 signatures now and the government did reply saying they are going to do a fan-led review? But we are hoping to get to 100,000 marks so it is discussed in Parliament. So that would be yeah. nice for the club to kind of do that. So it, yeah. it's been a real team effort from the fans. We've pulled together a lot of the times when clubs go into administration, the fans almost start getting at each other. They start taking out their anger. They're upset and hurt out of each other and it's been the opposite at Wigan. You, you have to get a blame culture, but it's been a one United front and I'm very proud of the town for that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, few few points on that. First of all, I've always had a lot of time for Wigan fans. I've only been up away game, I've only been up there once, but uh, met Wigan fans down here as well on occasions and um, always been top fellas or top people and... Um, Really good bunch of fans. And as you said, it really is about the supporters. If you've got a good, solid togetherness going on, I think that makes a huge difference. The Albion have been through their troubles as well. And the only thing that saved us in the end was the level of support, just the hardcore of supporters who just stuck through us through thin and thinner. And what we call the war years, where we battled to, to, for our very survival, we lost the home and all sorts. And it was only the, the, the fans in a, as you said, consistent basis, carrying on, digging in ploughing on through that we finally got to where we are now as well And um, so I, I really feel for you guys and certainly I'd urge people to sign that petition, I've signed it and tweeted about it sent it around on a WhatsApp program on them. but if anybody's interested I would recommend that they do sign that and look into anything else is there, is there anything else um, to do or is it just that at the moment for any fans listening?
0: I think the one thing I'd like to make aware as well is the wing Athletics fans have been really close-knit together in making sure they're all right, they're there for each other. We've set up a group called the Wigan Athletic Mental Health Supporters Group, which is a group purely designed to, to make sure fans are okay with their mental health, because a time like this brings out a lot of mental health worries with anxiety, stress, depression, and we want to be there for each other. We want to let people know it's okay not to be okay. And, and the one thing Wigan fans have been great at is looking out for everyone's mental health, making sure everyone's happy, both physically and mentally well. Happy wasn't the right word there, but just make sure everyone's okay because it's okay not to be okay, like I previously said. And yeah. over the first over the month we've been doing it, we've we've had over three hundred members on our WhatsApp and Facebook groups, with the number being mostly male, which is a massive victory because the stigma attached to male mental health mm. is a lot higher because a lot of times in in issues of mental health, um, in cases that were in the work environment, when a man is struggling with their mental health, they simply told to man up and we want to end that. We want to break the stigma and provide a a background, a safe environment where fans can get anything off their chest without being judged and it's been a real success. We've got our first group meetup, social distance of course, tomorrow night, which would be the Tuesday, August 19th. So Hmm. we're hoping it'll be a real success. Because in a time like this, the fans have only really got each other. And it's been great to see the fans come together. And it just shows what a family club we are. We've always been known as this community club. And I believe anyone can say they're a community club. But in times like this, we've really shown it. I always say to people that although Wigan fans are very different in terms of backgrounds, upbringings, life situations, we're all the same for our love of Wigan Athletic. And I think they've really come together looking out for each other. And I think it's been really inspirational to see.
2: No, oh, that's great. It's really good to hear that. And that's that's a great cause as well. Um so I hope that all goes really well tomorrow and uh, as we're speaking. Um and yeah, I mean you're you're absolutely right. It's uh it is a big issue, isn't it, with expressing mental health issues if you're a man. Um it's been a emotive subject, it's been a big subject over the last year or so, hasn't it? And uh Prince William's got on board with that as well, hasn't he? But um yeah, so certainly that's that's fantastic and um, a good good cause there and let's hope that uh that helps um just in terms of the situation now so i've, I've noticed in the wigan today i think it was from sunday there's an article talking about how the wigan owner inquired about administration before his takeover as well this is an intriguing twist in the the overall narrative of what's going on um any take on that i don't it's, it's, i don't know how substantiated it is really there's just uh, a report saying that uh Earlier this month, uh, 12 point deduction. It's now been revealed former owner, Al Young uh, YK, made contact with Begbie's trainer, the current administrators in charge, about putting the club into administration the day he became the sole shareholder of the club. That sounds very bizarre, doesn't it? I mean, any comments on that as well? It's, it's, it, it's best it's, best to leave that for now, right? <laughs> it's,
0: it's really hard to really comprehend it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm not an adult too much into it because. Although it is to do with our club, I don't really see it as that relevant because it is from the appeal. And although it's it's very shocking and and it's horrible what's happened, all of our focus and energy now should be towards helping find a buyer and, and keep spreading the word because obviously we've been let down somewhere. And to kind of see the information that's come out from this panel hearing, which has been released in the press on Monday as we speak tonight, uh, I just recommend anyone to give that a read because it's absolutely mm. outstanding, look, outstanding and staggering how this has happened because it, it beggars belief because you read that and you kind of think, how is this appeal not going you know, unsuccessful? And in my opinion, I think clubs might even be put off by appealing now if you ever going to administration because if Wigan can't win this case with such strong information, it's yeah. almost a lost cause even trying to fight it. So. It's been, it was a really tough read, to be honest, a real tough pill to swallow because you you know, you kind of know, it's hard to kind of say what's exactly gone on. I'm sure we might find out in the future, maybe a Netflix documentary. I know Netflix are quite into football documentaries at the moment. I think whether it ever comes out, the the actual total truth, we'll never know. But the fact Mm. that information has come out as said, they contacted the administrators yeah. on the eve of taking over. It, it just shows yeah. they had no real intentions. They, mm-hmm. they were not right custodians of Wig Athletic. And I think that's, yeah. that's it links back to the fit and proper persons test, doesn't it? And the uh, petition yeah. that you've got to sign it and make a change because we, we've got to kind of, in my opinion, with the EFL's own director test, I would not actually place the blame on the EFL as such because the chairman, all uh, approve it, so to actually make a change, the chairmen must agree to change, and it's not as easy to get a change as you'd like because by making the kind of proper person test stricter, it makes takeover deals hard to go through. So, yeah, obviously, the club wants to sell up or plan to sell up in the future. They're not going to approve something that will make it more difficult. We've seen at Newcastle as well, that takeover, takeover didn't go through, um, mm. as, as you've seen on social media, and that is another risk of the fit and proper person test, but in my opinion, the AFL Premier League they should appoint independent commissions to do the fit and proper persons test because you know, I believe that's the fairest way you can do it. And I think by the independent commissions, they experts in the field. They'll have no emotional investment too, so it'll be purely business and and for the club. I think it's important now that the fans of every club realise that football's not the game we want you to love, where it's just Eleven men on a pitch, kicking a ball, kicking a bag of wind. Around it's a business now. Obviously, the Premier League has been since 1992. That's when the commercialisation of football really started to kick in. At this point in time, footballs never been more commercialised in terms of advertisements, sponsorship deals, endorsements. PR yeah. is one of the biggest things in football at the moment, as you can see. Trans, uh, clubs are trying to outdo each other all the time with the transfer announcements, with like the spectacular videos. So you've got to kind of bear in mind that football is a business. So we're not kind of looking at the best interest of football now. We're kind of just looking at a business now. And I think as well, we need to appoint a financial regulator too, independently. Because from what I've seen and speaking to Kieran Maguire, who he's been on my podcast a couple of times, he's a big Brighton fan. Everyone's on a Kieran Maguire. He's he's done 500 podcasts in 2020. 498, I've been negative. He's been called the Grim Reaper of football. But (laughs) we've kind of... I believe that football is kind of getting a little bit unsustainable, definitely at the lower end of the spectrum because, yeah. especially with the pandemic too, clubs need a bit more support financially because they've not got the income of the fans coming in. That's the biggest way fans can generate income. So clubs can generate incomes. So I apologise. And I think now we've kind of got to, hopefully, appoint an independent financial regulator so the fans can kind of... Fans, not the fans. It's not enough to do with fans. It's actually the clubs. So we can kind of see a more financially healthy football league and protect more clubs from suffering the same fate as Wigan because with the pandemic, Wigan were the first club to go into administration, but I sadly don't think we will be the last. I know a lot of clubs, I know it came out a few championship clubs, were thinking that they might need to go into administration. So if it carries on like this, if if nothing changes, more clubs will go into administration. I know they've they mentioned... October time for fans to come back. Let's just hope that happens so more clubs have a fighting chance of avoiding administration because football has got a rich history. sunny clubs have rich histories. Wigan have been around since 1932. Uh, we've we've had an eight-year spell in the Premier League. We've won the FA Cup. We've played in Europe. So we we're we're a very. I'd like to think we're quite a, a well-liked club too. We've we've always been the underdogs almost. I think everyone loved our little fairy tale stories in the Premier League, where we just somehow just managed to stay up against all odds. I uh, I read on an Urban Dictionary website that there was a term called doing a Wigan, which basically means doing nothing all year until about February time, and suddenly turning on the style and beating everyone. And I, I'll never forget we we pulled a hot upsets against United, Anfield, uh, Liverpool, and and at the Emirates against Arsenal. So. I think Wigan will be a huge loss if we do go bust and into liquidation, but I can't really see that happening. To be honest, I hope we find a buyer. I've got my fingers crossed. I actually have my fingers crossed at the moment, but obviously this is just an audio podcast, so you can't actually see that. I just (laughs) realised on the Zoom call, but no. um, (laughs) We've just got everything crossed. Now we can find a suitable buyer for the football club and move forward as one because it's so important to kind of Keep working and, and keep finding a buyer because we need to secure the long term footballers club because it's so important for the town and the community. When I was growing up, a big part of my life was football, and when, whenever I when I've, when I've been growing up, I've always wanted to say when I have kids one day, I want to take them to the same places I've been to. I want to take them to that match day routine we all have, and if we're going to do go out of existence, I won't have that as well. A lot of fans. You kind of this, the fan aspect is so important, and it often gets overlooked because my my kids won't get to see we're gonna this just happen. Other people's kids will, and and my kids, what my kids' kids won't get to see that. I don't actually have kids at this point. Let's just put that out there. Um, <laughs> but no, um, it's all in good time, Jay. All a good time. I'm 20 years old, 21 next week, <laughs> but I've got plenty of time to think about that. But I think it's important now to kind of secure the club's future because it, it's so sad what's happened and we've kind of done well in, in terms of, we've not lashed out as such, we've just used all of our energy to spread the word and, and spread keep fighting for the club fight and the good fight and let's just hope yeah. at, the of, at, at the end of the next season, this time next year we'll be under new ownership hopefully pushing towards the championship again to be honest, I'd be quite happy to be a well-sustained League One club. As long as I have a football club to support, I'm not bothered wherever we're playing. It could be the National League North. As long as I still have a Wigan Athletic,
2: that's the main thing. That's that's it, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter. Actually, you've listed some great achievements there in the FA Cup. I I loved it when you won (laughs) that. But in general, regardless of how high or low in the scale you are, I think football clubs are all important to the communities, no matter how small it is, even if it's much, much smaller clubs than Wigan. And, um, so absolutely, it's utterly vital in my opinion that these clubs survive and we very much hope that yours does. You, a couple of things you mentioned, Kieran Maguire, as you said, Albion fan, he does the Price of Football podcast and there's been quite a bit of coverage of Wigan on there as well. If anybody wants to hear any more and they haven't heard those podcasts, recommend checking them out. In fact, the podcast is excellent in general, um, but there's, there's quite a bit of insight. I remember when they first mentioned it as soon as soon as soon as the guys took over and um, he flagged it up straight away. That there's something weird about what was going on there. Um, and so, you know, he's right on the pulse there. And he's got a lot of good information that he imparted on his podcast. You've also mentioned he's been on your podcast. Tell us the name of your podcast. It's very inventively named, isn't it, Jay? <laughs> it, it took me all but a minute to think of
0: it. I had a few <laughs> pun ideas trying to make it a bit funnier. But in hindsight, I just went for the Jay Whistle podcast because... I am very unoriginal and boring, but I think <laughs> I, I think uh, I had a few ideas. I had the full-time Whittle, which was a nice little idea. The full-time yeah, that's not also. bad, actually. That's not bad. It yeah. might be a change in the future, but no, uh, I've had a few yeah. great guests on my podcast. Uh, it's called the Jay Whittle Podcast. You can find it on Jay Whittle on YouTube. And I've had some great guests, to cover the administration from the very off. On the first day, we had Andy Burnham, the mayor of Manchester. He came on yeah. and discussed it. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Nandy, the Wigan MP, who's also the shadow Foreign Secretary, we've had Emerson Boyce, a club, le- club legend, the captain when we won the FA Cup. You might not go down with with Brian Panzo because he's an ex Crystal Palace player. Um, we've, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> we, we've got um, we've had Paul Stanley, one of the administrators, to give an excellent insight. Kieran McGuire, obviously, who we've mentioned. Simon Stone, yeah. who's a respected BBC journalist.
2: Yeah, yeah. And
0: we've also had Shay Dunkley, who's Recently left Wigan last week to join Sheffield Wednesday to give the players' perspective of what's happened. So, if anyone would like to go and the, watch the podcast that I do, shameless plug, Jay Buttle. And I'd like to thank yourself for letting me call on this podcast tonight. It's been really enjoyable, and I'd like to wish Jensen the best of luck and wish Brighton the best of luck too. Because I always look out for the results. I've always had a bit of a weird soft spot for Brighton. Not sure why. Oh. I have. I have no reason to actually like Brighton. Um, to, to actually explain the reasoning but I've always liked him. it's a well-run club, it's a, a great family club I always have a great conversation when I speak to any Brighton fan I, I like the style of play they have I love Neil Mopay, I love Dan Byrne I love yeah. Um, I, I, I like seeing the underdogs do well and Brighton I know they've kind of established themselves as a solid Premier League unit at the moment but they've kind of been an underdog throughout the years and it's nice to see you've do well. I know you actually got promoted. I think you either got promoted. I won the league against Wigan a few years back to get to the Premier League because I remember it being two one. Nick Powell scored for Wigan, and it was great uh, celebrations yeah. that day.
2: Yeah, so... that's right. Yeah, of course, of course. That's uh, gone under the radar, I think. But you're right. Yeah, absolutely. That was the clincher. I think it was a matter of ridiculous goal difference um, something that was still lingering and then uh, the results went our way that evening but uh, so yeah we clinched promotion that day which was great um well glad you do have a soft for us i appreciate that we've um, i think we've uh, probably in tribute to you guys we've got i don't know if you can see if i just quickly show you on here um that's our new kit for the season. Looks suspiciously like yours
0: actually. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh we'll have to get you for a copyright strike, we'll take any funds at the moment. So well, let's hit Sprite with a copyright strike, we'll take five million for that and that'll pay off some creditors. Yeah. Excellent. we, we just have to have a, the... bit of a joke. So uh Absolutely you, you Why you not? keep it a bit light because it's a very dark Gallows time at you... the moment. If you don't have if you don't have a bit of laughter
2: you kind of Exactly. What else can you do? You exactly. Ask, and um... Sorry, go on. Yeah.
0: Oh, no, it's fine. I, I, I didn't have any thoughts
2: to say. Yeah. I, I was just going to say a couple of other things quickly. I was, I was just going to mention um, that uh, the pies, I I think last time, the only time I came up to Wigan, um, we actually had a lunch in a pub somewhere. So we didn't have the pie at the ground or near the grounds. But I hear they're fantastic. A mate of mine swears by him, a McBride fan here. And um, he, uh, yeah, what's the name of them, though? There's a famous one, isn't there, in, in the town? What's that called? Galloway's. Or? I believe it's Galloway's. That, that's the one. That's the one, G- yeah. I, if you're ever from Wigan, anyone who's listening,
0: first thing you do, go to Galloways because you won't take a taste of pie like that. It's they are really good. Um yeah. I'm actually not a big pie person, to be honest with you. I don't really like pies that much, but I really like oh, Galloway's, I so I think that's a yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm te- I'm te- <laughs> from I'm from West and so that's in the middle between Bolton and Wigan. My mum my mum's side of the family's Bolton fans, my dad's side is Wigan um. fans. I used to always okay. call myself a bit of a choc ice because I'm not quite ice cream, but I'm not quite chocolate. But um, so <laughs> I'm a bit a bit of both. I've got
2: Wigan and bottom blood, but I am blue and white blood. I'm a Wigan fan. Yeah, and um, fair enough. And you mentioned it earlier, and I noticed it on your uh, Twitter account, that uh, it's your birthday on Monday next week, a week from now. Yeah, it uh, is. Good... Definitely the best month of the year to have a birthday, he says, wink, wink. It is. <laughs> I mine a because... couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I used to love
0: having an August birthday. Throughout the years, from holidays, yeah, school holidays. You'd never be in school. Yeah. You'd never have to risk it. Yeah. So I've got my 21st birthday next Monday. So I'm hopeful yeah. that my best present will be finding a new buyer. If not, yeah. I'll just I'll just get absolutely slaughtered. To be honest, nice on cocktails, but that's really <laughs> irrelevant. And I'm just worried for my Twitter account if there's any drunken tweets on there from that night. But <laughs> let's make sure to delete the app.
2: Hide the phone. Lock it in, <laughs> well, the, cupboard. The, Lock it in the cupboard. Don't <laughs> take it away. <laughs> yes. Well, happy birthday for next week. I hope it goes well. Obviously, even more so, I hope things go well for Wigan in the coming months and um, particularly at the end of this month with the hopes uh, for getting a new buyer. Um, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. It's good to get some insights. I do recommend checking out those podcasts to get further info and sign that petition, guys, if you can. Um, so, appreciate that. All been, all been good. Good luck next season. Let's hope all goes well. And um, we'd love to have you on at some point in the future, maybe, to give us an update on, on matters later down the line.
0: That'd be absolutely brilliant. Hopefully one day we can do a Brighton vs. Wigan podcast, if we ever meet up pop. Or if we're going to once reach the Premier League yet again. But, no, it's been great. Thanks for having me on the podcast, and, and thanks very much for listening too. I wish Brighton all the best. Let's hope you continue to push up the Premier League. Push your Europa League spot one day and yeah. do well and, and continue doing good work in the community too. Brighton's a great family club and I respect all the fans. I'd like to thank all the fans for signing a petition, sign spreading the word because I've seen a lot of Brighton fans chip in. They've even sent, I've seen a few Brighton fans even put cardboard cutouts in the fans from home thing in the DW stadium. So that's always appreciated. So I've got a new profound respect for Brighton. So I'll always look out for you now.
2: Oh, fantastic. Great. Thank you very much, Jay Whittle, for joining us. All the best, mate. Cheers. Thank you very much, bye. So that brings us to the end of our transfer special. We hope you enjoyed that and gained some insight into some of our new signings and also into the situation at Wigan. And we really do wish them all the very best in their fight for survival and getting back on track. Um, there will be some detailed notes um, for this episode as you will see and there will be links provided in there so if you do want to participate, sign petitions etc you will find the information there. In the meantime we look forward to our next episode number 60 in which we will have a special guest coming in to join us to review the season in full uh, for what has been ultimately a successful campaign for the Albion all things considered and to look ahead to the next campaign which starts in just a few weeks time. Till then stand or fall